If you have been waiting to turn your dreams into reality, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Think Inspired Podcast. I'm so genuinely excited to be interviewing my cousin, Mr. Ho T. Lu. Now, Ho isn't just family to me, but he's an entrepreneur, actor, youth worker, and an event manager for Melbourne's nightlife scene. You know, one thing that always stands out to me is your alluring energy you have with other people that you interact with. Almost always, I see you networking with people, introducing them in the most positive light that makes them feel good and important. Welcome to the podcast, Ho. What a, what an introduction, Patrick. Thank you so much for that kind words, mate. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to kind of go on this journey with you, mate, with Think Inspire. Thank yeah. you, Patrick. Thank you, man. And um, like one of the really coolest things that you've done in your life with all the other amazing things that I think you've done is you've started a, a movie with Tony Hawk. So tell us about your love for skateboarding and how you got to star in a movie with the greatest skateboarder, skateboarder of all time back in 2005. Oh, man. That's the story there. This is the movie you're talking about, right? Deck Dogs. Yes, that's <laughs> the one. Um, well, you know, I, I started skating when I was like in sort of in prom in sort of early high school, you know, and I picked up my first skateboard that my brother has in the backyard and I just tried it. And then I fell in love with skateboarding ever since. So I was probably like in year nine or something like that at the time. And I started skating and skating and over like 10, 10 years. And one day I just, you know, received a phone call at home from a director who was directing the film Deck Dogs. Mm. And, you know, and he was in the process of casting skateboarders for the role. And, you know, he was casting skaters in, in Adelaide, in Sydney, and I couldn't find anyone for this particular role that he was looking for. And I was lucky enough at the time, a friend who kind of um, knew me through skateboarding bumped into the director in the city skate park and spoke to him about, you know, the film, the director spoke to him about the film. And then um, he said, he's looking for this, you know, Asian skateboarder with his dad, <laughs> you know, and at the time I was, you know, this Asian skateboarder who was, you know, skating and, and loving it. And um, he gave me his number um, and then he rang me up and said, I'm making this film with Tony Hawk and I want to audition you. And I, picked wow. up the phone. I was like, all right, next thing you know, he came, auditioned me. Wow. Uh, I was freaking out. I didn't know exactly. And you've, you, you've never been into like movies before. You've never done any yeah. acting experience. Yeah, no acting experience. Like oh just skateboarding is something that I loved at the time. And I still love skateboarding now. And um, so I just kind of like was really nervous. But I guess when he dropped that, you know, that name, Tony Hawk, I'm like, all right. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yes, let, let um, come down. And I he flew down from, um, I think, Sydney. And he met me in, in like a park in, in Paran. Then I just kind of like met him after school and mm. he kind of auditioned me, interviewed me and he said, you know, send me on the chair and pretty much like, I just kind of followed the, um, the script and wow. was being myself. And he said, you know what, how about you fly to um, Adelaide for a proper audition and then oh. um, we'll see what happened. And I went and then I, um, after the audition in Adelaide, I got the gig with Tony Hall. Wow. And this was, how old, how old were you? I think I was about 18. At so the time. 18, 18 year old kid doing what he loved. 17, 18 at the time, yeah. Doing yeah. what you love, skating around with your friends and, you know, just being free, right? I can picture it like a movie. And then out of nowhere, a producer just watches you and asks you to be in a movie with Tony Hawk. Like, what was that moment like for you? Like, did that, was that like a, 
Like, did you ever envision something like that happening? You know, we talk about law of attraction in this world, but at that young, like what was going through your mind when all that was unraveling? Man, so so I was, you know, like 17, 18 at the time. I just loved skateboarding. I didn't really, you know, know much about the filming industry or what's not. But when I flew to Adelaide for the proper audition after I met with, you know, Steve, Steve Pasposki, which is the director of the film, and I just kind of like, you know what, I just got to do it. And I'm the, I guess I always, when opportunities come, I said to myself, you know, um, just give it a go. And if you don't like it, then you can always stop. So I just said yes, and I went. And when they said to me, "Ho, oh, we will we'll let you have you on the film as one of the main cast out of the three skateboarders," I was kind of shocked. But at the same time, something inside of me was kind of like, "Just do it," and I did. Mm. And then I just went with the flow, and and that was it. And three months of shooting the film with, with Tony Hawk, and when I met him on set. It was inspirational. It was amazing. It was the best experience ever in, in um, at that time for me, you know? And that kind of, you know, took me into a different path of my career and everything. So that was that was a, an amazing experience um, for me at the time. Yeah. And I like to, you know, um, call it a breakthrough moment in someone's life when something happens and it opens up a different paradigm or a different world to what's possible. Because, you know, doing a movie like that for you, do you think it was a catalyst for you to be so successful to do other things in your life um because like that was out of your control right like that yeah. just happened um yeah explain that to me and how that that transition from that got you to where you are now like do you think that was a good catalyst or breakthrough moment for you i think so i think so 100 percent. because you know um after high school, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do, and so I went to you know um, school. I did further studies at TAFE, um, and during that time, I was I'm still sort of lost in terms of I don't really know what my passion was at the time, and you know, um, so when I did this film, it kind of boosted my I guess self esteem a lot, mm. you know, like gave me a lot more confidence within myself and what I can do with no experience in acting whatsoever. Ah, oh, that so, is crazy. So the thing for me is that you don't actually need to know 100% or need to know everything in order for you to thrive, you know, in that particular topic. So I had no acting experience whatsoever. I knew skateboarding. I love skateboarding. But put me in front of a screen, reading a script, doing lines with other actors, zero experience. And I thought to myself, and what, what it taught me in that process is that, you know, you actually don't need to be an expert in the field in order for you to give it a go. And mm. I did, and lucky at the time, something inside of me, maybe my intuition or whatnot, you know, said, yes, give it a go. And I did it, it built my self-esteem. I networked with so many different amazing people in the industry. And Steve, um, the director, you know, we became good friends. And he was the, f- the referee for me, for my first job that I applied for into, mm. you know, my career now, yeah. you know, because he was the guy that was on the phone you know, um, and that gave me a really good reference because of deck dogs. And I got, you know, you know, a job and, you know, I kind of built my career from that. So that was definitely a, a breaking point in terms of how, um, I guess, I guess transitioned into like, you know, my career onwards. Mm. And um, like in that time, like, what was it like knowing that you're in a movie with Tony Hawk? Like, did you just get to speak to him? Were you a big fan of him? Were you starstruck? Or were you just like, yeah, I'm just going to go with the flow right now. I don't know what's happening, but I'm just going to take every day as it comes. Um, I was obviously, Tony Hawk was, you know, 
at the time in 2005, you know, he was like amazing. I mean, he, Tony Hawk's, you know, he's sort of like, you know, the, the I guess, um, a very inspirational skateboarder and who has done a lot for the skateboarding community, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously I was, yeah, like, you know, starstruck, but at the same time I was like, is this really happening? You know, like, am I going to meet this guy on screen? Am I going to see him, you know, during lunch and sit down, have lunch, have a chat, whatnot? And yeah, I was just, you know, excited. But at the same time, I was also didn't want to be so, you know, um, a fan club because I want to also need to be professional or whatnot, you know? Yeah, so I was yeah. like, yeah, cool. It's Tony there. All right, I'm home. You know, so um, I sort of was going with the flow and also like trying to kind of keep it cool as possible as, as well. But yeah, yeah. I, was, I was amazed when I met him. He was, he was an amazing um you know skateboarder and it has done a lot for the skateboarding community mm, that's that's a freaking awesome story man um where can people find this movie <laughs> oh man hey listen at the time 2005 was on dvd you know what i mean but now you can just get you can watch it on youtube you know what i mean so youtube yeah. so um so it's, you can watch it on youtube and it's it's in like multiple languages so you have mm. english and there's also a version of it in, a version of it in portuguese the movie is kind of like when you know um got really popular in portuguese with a lot of the brazilian teenagers and the skateboarders mm. who watch it and um you know who get really inspired from the film and i still get messages from some of them like on instagram are you home from deck dogs i'm like who are you i'm like you know <laughs> after like nearly 15 years 20 years whatnot um but yeah so you can watch it on youtube type in deck dogs you can you know suss it out and enjoy it it's, it's a fun story mm, well beautiful that, that i feel like that's an incredible like you know breakthrough moment for you um and that kind of led you into like the next topic i want to talk to you about is you know where did you like i know you're in the nightlife scene in melbourne um you've hosted so many amazing events that i've had the privilege to be a part of and every time i come into one of your events man i like even if I feel extroverted or introverted at any point in my life, I know that you're going to make me feel welcomed. So I walk into a venue of yours and I know you introduce me to two or three people. That I don't even know, but from the start, I feel like I'm a part of, a part of what you've created, um, which I feel like it's just a, it's a, just a knack that you have and you're so consistent with it. I want to ask you, where did your passion for the nightlife entertainment scene come from? Um, I know you hosted so many amazing events like, you know, I Love R&B, Karma Saturdays, Reggaeton Saturdays, Hidden Thursdays. I know you've got another one coming out. But, um, yeah, where did your passion for the nightlife entertainment scene come from? Man, so, yeah, so I've been doing, I guess, event management and, and, and promoting whatnot for, I think, about 10 years now. And I think the, the passion came from, at the time, I was, you know, going out. I love meeting people. I was going out with a lot of my friends. And you know, seeing you know um, the the scene, and it was it was it was fun. It was exciting. You get to meet people. You get to network. You get to kind of hang out with cool people. So you know, one day I just kind of said to my friends, three of my mates, I was like, listen, why don't we just do something of our own and just test it out and see if we like it or not in terms of organizing it. And the three myself and three of my other friends said, yeah, let's do it. And you know, we got a venue in um, uh, Paran at the time and. We kind of put an idea together. We ran this gig, our first event ever called Milkshake. It was an R&B night, one-off party um, called Milkshake. So you we you were with, sorry, you were with your friends and you were just talking about an idea. Yeah. Um, and how many of you? Four, including me, so three other guys, yeah. So for the people that are sitting on like these ideas, 
you just with your friends had an idea and just went with it, right? You was there like procrastination about it? Was it like, what if it doesn't work? Yeah, hundred percent. Like you know, at the time we would, we were just going out and we're going out to these nights and this nightlife and these venues and we loved it. And I was like, why don't we just do it ourselves? You know, and I kind of sat down with three of my mates and we had a chat. And obviously the, the, the fear of not, it, this particular project might not work, obviously there, but I guess for me, it's kind of like, you just got to give it a go. And if mm. it doesn't work, it's okay. You know, because I guess you never, never know if you never, never go. So mm-hmm. I think that saying, you know, that we all know. And so I always had this thing inside of me, maybe because I don't know, this, this particular passion of me um, giving um, something a go. And if it doesn't work out, it's, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be the end of the world. So we ended up, you know, um, finding a venue. I actually went out and I knocked on the door of this particular night in, 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 in Paran, this venue. And I just told about the idea and the concept. And he asked us to put something together. And we did. And they gave us the venue. And we ran our first gig, Milkshake, R&B. And we did really well. We sold out all the tickets. Had like 450 people at our first gig. And since then, I was like, wow, this is amazing, you know, and I enjoyed the process and I loved it. And, and ever since, we did another one-off and another one-off. And then 10 years later, I'm still, you know, organizing events, running live music gigs and, you know, meeting people and introducing people and putting people together. I love that. I think it's, it's something that I really enjoy and um, get, get a through out of it. Now, in in a world of like, you know, social media where you can open your phone and you can see, I like to call it the shiny object syndrome. When you see something so shiny and like, I don't have that, I want to do this. And then you do it and some people just don't follow through. And you highlighted something um, in what you just said about enjoying the process. Do you feel like if you didn't enjoy the process process of running these events, you would have kept at it for 10 years? 100%. 100%. I feel like, yeah, you have to enjoy it because, you know, otherwise you just kind of like, you're not going to last um, in, you know, in the particular idea or in the particular, you know, passion that you have. You have to enjoy it. I mean, it's there, over the last 10 years, Patrick, there are nights that I've ran and hosted with, you know, my partners, whatever, not that were, you know, wasn't great, but it was okay because I enjoyed the process. Still. Mm. I kept going. I kept going because you have to enjoy it. You know, not every night you're going to run is going to be successful. You know what I mean? Not every, you know, song you're going to make is going to become a hit. Not every movie you're going to be part of is going to be, you know, a blockbuster. It's the same in terms of the events that you run. Like, not every event that you do is going to be, you know, the top. There might be some great, some in the middle, some in the bottom. But the question is that you've got to enjoy the process. And for me, it's that whatever it is that you're going to do, you need to enjoy the process and um, learn from it as you go and just mm-hmm. knowing to yourself that this stuff is, is a process. It takes time. It takes, you know, um, perseverance and keep going. And I kept going. I kept going over the last 10 years, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to kind of put some really successful, um, I guess, nightlife um, out there and connect mm-hmm. a lot of, connect a lot of people, you know, people came to the nights, you know, met, had babies, you know, got married because of the stuff that we were doing and we were able to kind of provide a platform for people to connect. That's that, so, that, you know what I mean? That's so interesting that you say that, you know, like um, the nightclub has sometimes like a bad stigma to it 
you know, like it's like you go to a club, you get drink, you get, you get wasted and you do some drugs and, you know, but you highlighted the fact that some people are finding their relationships in a, and, and not people talk about this of you're never going to find love in this club. Right. And then, but you've seen people get married and have kids through the events that you've held. What does that feel like? I think, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's, it's an amazing space where it's just, you know, like every, anything, you use it based on what you want to use it for. And what we're doing is providing a platform for you to connect, you know? And when that stuff happens, it's just kind of like, wow, we actually did that together. You know mm. what I mean? Obviously, I had a team and, and partners who were doing it together. And when we see stuff like that, we're just kind of like, wow, this is pretty special. We created some great memories for and a lot of our, yeah, a lot of our friends, you know? Yeah. When look, when you look back at it, you're kind of like, wow. Yeah that particular moment did this and we yeah. just tell like, you know, wow, this is pretty special. You know, the idea of putting the milkshake together wasn't like that was the target, right? Um, the goal was maybe to make everyone feel good and like get out of like, I don't know, maybe a rut they're in. They just want to party away. We call it like escapism. But in the midst of that, you helped people find tr like maybe true love in a club with, it's not something that people talk about. Like that was maybe like all the underlying wins that you had along the way that you weren't set out to go. But if you never, never go, you never, never know. <laughs> and look what, what's happened. So are there any other things along this 10 year journey of yours that you've seen or you've discovered or maybe got to network with other people that you didn't think you could before you held your first milkshake? Um, was a milkshake, right? Yeah. Milkshake event. Yeah. Tell me some other like surprises along the way. Oh man, I've created so many amazing, like, you know, friendships along the way, you know, like that I wouldn't, you know, been able to, you know, without these kind of like events that we did because we built an amazing bond through the process, the ups and downs. And, you know, so I've created just a, a beautiful, like, you know, relationship with a lot of my friends now that I'm still connected with until today. So mm. that wouldn't happen if I didn't do it. You know what I mean? So, and, you know, those relationships that you build along the way, you know, it, it transition into other things, whatever that might be, you know what I mean? Into other ventures, into other business opportunities, you know, and, and you know, relationships is, is something that's really, really special. And I feel like the nightlife or the entertainment or just events, that's what you do. Um, you know, events are big moments of your life because, I feel like we have events all the time, right? But when we do, I get with the nightlife stuff that you mentioned, Patrick, a lot of people don't want to say, oh, I actually met my fiance or my partner, you know, and got married in, in, a, in a nightclub. They don't want to talk about it because they think it's like, it's not a platform where they want to do. But hey, man, people go on Tinder and, and, and all these platforms now to meet. And, you know, when you meet someone on Tinder now or when you meet someone in a nightclub or at a bar, it's what? like, hey, What's the difference? What's like, the difference, right? Exactly. You know I mean? It just if you connect, you connect. You mm. know what I mean? You can meet idiots on Tinder. <laughs> yes. Like idiots, right? You can meet really amazing people on Tinder as well. And I know friends that also met a lot of people on Tinder and got married through Tinder. And also in the nightlife, you know, business or at a bar, when you meet someone, they can, there's a lot of idiots out there too. So you can you can meet idiots or you can meet really a genuine person. So I guess. Through the process, I've learned that. I've learned mm. that. You know what I mean. And nowadays, nowadays, a lot of people use you know social media as the platform to meet people. But you got to be be careful as well. Yeah. 
because yeah. I hear stories. I hear yeah. stories that platforms. Yeah, you. Um, I was checking out your Facebook. You roll with the same people that you started off with. Like, ah, there's f- friends that you have now, work work colleagues. Like, you you hang around the same people like from like a long time ago. What's it? Why is it so important to have like a like a team that you've you've hung with since since the start? Like, what does loyalty mean to you? Because uh, I know just from watching your movements, like you're pretty consistent with that. So tell me about how important it is to have those really strong fundamental traits in, in, in just friendships in general. I guess a lot of my friends, you know, I grew up with a lot of friends, you know what I mean? Like skateboarding. I met a lot of people, a lot of skaters. Then also, you know, with events management, I've also met a lot of people in that front as well. And I guess for me, it's just kind of like if you have the, you, if you have the same values, you know, the same passion, the same drive, and I want to connect with people that also kind of want to lift me up and if I can make a difference, that I can lift them up as well, you know, because you just got to be really careful because nowadays, you know, people can just like, you know, not can be on the same kind of wavelength as you. And sometimes, you know, and it's okay. Everyone is different. And I guess for me, when I pick my group, I want to make sure that they're kind of on the same wavelength and, you know, they lift people up and they want to, you know, um, aspire to do amazing things within, within the community, you know, and give back somehow, mm-hmm. some way. So my, I guess my close kind of, I guess, entourage, you want to call it, it's, it's, they, they have that. They have that same values as me, you know, that they want to be able to kind of give back to the community and, and do amazing things and aspire and have dreams and, you know, and, and, and go-getters. That's yeah. what, what I want to surround mm. myself with, you know? Yeah, I think I remember having a conversation with you about having the right people around you too, because, you know, you're very go-go type of energy, right? And you spoke to me about, you know, some of the friends that you have are more laid back and more strategic in a way where they can see things without being at the forefront of things. Like how important it is to put people in the right position to succeed, just like it would if you had like, like a great NBA team trying to win the finals, you've got your defense, you've got your offense, you've got the people who do the spot up threes, like everyone knows their role. Like, like tell me more about like, how involved you are to have people in the right position and like what that means to the growth of anything you're trying to achieve. Oh, it's so important, Patrick, because, you know, again, for example, when, you, when I'm putting a team together to run a particular event or a particular weekly night, it's so important that I know the strength within the team who does what, you know what I mean? Like for Reggaeton Saturdays, for example, you know, I knew when I was kind of, I got inspired by the music and I love that kind of sound and I wanted to do something and, um, give something to that particular community and I needed to kind of put a team together to make sure that works. So I kind of kind of pick strategically. I know who does what and where and how they're going to place in the team. And I think you've got to be able to kind of see and sometimes you've got to test as well. Like you don't really know a lot of the time, but you got to test as well. you got to take that risk, you know, you got to take a risk and then you learn along the way. And a lot of the time I, I take a lot of risk, a lot of the time. And sometimes it pays off and sometimes it didn't. And so what next? That's how I see things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's all right if you if you fail along the way, in, in when you're trying to put something together. You now know, it, idea. Yeah. Well, I my kind of my attitude is that give it a go, do it, put something together. If it doesn't work out, then you can maneuver around it. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, Jordan talks about Michael Jordan talks about you miss ninety nine percent of the shots you don't take. Right now, if you were to look at your um, your career and what you've done in your life. Um, your wins, your losses, 
like, especially with someone like you that said, you know, you take a lot of risks. Do you feel like your losses, uh, you have a lot more losses than your, than wins. You just maybe don't pay attention to the losses, but do you need the losses to get those wins too? Yeah, hundred percent. I've lost a lot of the times, you know, I've probably lost more than some of my wins, you know, and that's, that's okay. That's okay too, because I feel like, you know, um, it's a process going back to what I was talking about before, you know, you got to understand the process and you got to be able to go through those, I guess, you know, those feelings, those emotions. And then when you win a little bit, you just get like so excited. Yeah. I, that, that little moment of wins, you just kind of like, you just take it and then you're like, you know what, keep winning and keep going mm. and never forget, you know? So I feel like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's important if you wanted to start out to try something. A lot of the time people just get so scared that they don't even want to jump. For me, jump. You know mm. what I mean? Jump. And then learn how to swim. Mm. Because if you don't do it, you're not going to actually even take the next step to actually learn. You know what I mean? Um, I guess one of the things that I love is and one of the quotes that I always kind of use in my head with this particular topic you're talking about is that, you know, uh, I think Richard Branson once said, you know, if someone was to offer you a, a great opportunities and you don't know how to do it, say mm. yes, learn how to do it later. Yeah. You know, so if you want, if you have a project in mind or a business idea or whatever, just do it and then you, you, you figure it out. You'll figure it out, you know, mm. and I, I figure out a lot of the things. So many of the things I just need, I just figure it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's not a lack of resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness. I learned that from Tony Robbins. And um, it's you saying, you might not have all the answers right now, but you don't need to. You just, Maybe you just need to make a decision to move forward because if sometimes we go into like procrastination, right? Like you think about the 10th step when all you got to do is think about the first step. It's like laying bricks to a, an amazing mansion. You can't think about the roof or the windows or the doors, you got to lay that first brick, lay that first brick and then worry about the second brick. And I think that's exactly what you're, you're, you're touching on, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think like just from hearing you um, and the way you, you know, speak about these successes, it's like a very fine line as well. Cause I don't hear any ego there. It's, it's very inspirational. That's why I'm so excited to be interviewing you. Um, and it comes from a place of humility, right? I can feel the humility in you and you don't, you're not taking the glory. You just, you're doing things and you want to connect other people. I, I can really feel that. Like, where does that come from? That's a great question, Patrick. That's a great question. I don't know. I just feel like, um, I mean, I grew up in a big family, you know, I grew up in a big family, you know, so like four brothers, two sisters, I was always surrounding myself with people. You know what I mean? So I guess that um, kind of set the foundation for me as well of why I always want to create something that bring people together because, because, you know, growing up, I was always surrounded with my brothers and my sisters and whatnot, and I always had people around me. So, you know, the passion of putting things together or running events or even, you know, skateboarding because skateboarding allowed me to, you know, I met a lot of people in the skateboarding community, but that mm. particular tool kind of got me into that community. I met so many amazing people. So at the same time, the events management side is also provided a tool and a platform for me to meet a lot of people. And I feel like that passion and maybe came from that, you know, the foundation of how I grew up, how I was brought up, community. You know, I had a community within my own family, was big. Um, you know, it's big, it's a big com- uh, 
family but then I kind of just used that as a base and I kind of filter out and trying to build other families around me and um, I guess that's where the passion came from you know um, mm-hmm. so I guess that's why I do what I do and if I can connect people um, through skateboarding or through event management and through running a live music scene um, in the city and then put musicians together or put people together who have the same passion and you know it's, it's something very special Mm. And for the listeners um, at home, from what I think that, that we'll get from this is the fact that you like to do things, right? And within just doing the things that you enjoy, it allows you to open doors that you, that you didn't see before. So you go into things not thinking about the outcome. Like a lot of very high achievers, they're very goal orientated. Like I got to achieve this, I got to achieve that. Whereas what, from what I'm hearing from you, I'm going to enjoy this. And then whatever comes away, whatever comes along the way, I'm going to, I'm going to be like a sponge. I'm going to take whatever comes my way and just, and just maximize it as much as I can. You know, talk to me about like how, like you go into like a goal setting process when you want to achieve something or, you know, learn a new skill or open a new venue. What's that process like for you? How do you actually put it into action? Do you have do you go along with your networks and like game plan together? Um, like go through that process with me. Um, it's, I, I think for me, speed is the key. Mm, for me, speed, speed is the key. I, I go with speed because if you don't, you just kind of like fade out. You forget so fast that you didn't even know what the heck. Did I really want to do that or did I do it? So for me, in terms of the, the, the process of bringing a project, a new night together or, you know, running a skateboarding event or running anything or posting something is like speed. Okay, mm-hmm. how do I get this off the ground by tomorrow or make it or, or put it and create it and make it real as soon as possible, whether mm-hmm. I'm not locking in that venue like tomorrow, lock it in. Call lock, lock it in, see if it's possible. So that way, the sooner you make it as real as yeah. possible, and that you actually cannot back out of this idea anymore because mm. you've already made a commitment to someone that you're saying you're going to do it. Mm. So the process for me is that, number one, speed, make it real as soon as possible, whether or not, you know, getting that logo done by tomorrow, getting that venue booked in by tomorrow, putting mm. the team together done. So you see something tangible. So that way you're not going to give yourself an excuse to back out. Uh, you know, and, or back yeah. out. So I'm oh. like, speed fast. Yeah, yeah on, on that, on that, because that's a very powerful like energy. I can feel it, and I feel like everyone has that now. There's obviously you got your you got fear, and you have to like communicate this with the team, right? How does this happen for you? Like with this passionate energy that you have, like let's get this thing done. How do you communicate this with your team? And what if they don't feel the same way as you? How do we still move towards that? I think you know if people follow energy. That's how I feel. They follow energy, and I feel like if you, as an entrepreneur or as someone who has a passion for a particular project, if you believe in it so much, the energy will flow on and people will follow you. You know what Mm. I mean? So I feel like because I'm quite passionate and I I have this, you know, um, the hunger inside of me, if I was to start a new project and I speak to someone about it, and because I see the passion or the enthusiasm, they just follow, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of the time I might not know the 10, next 10 steps and what that's going to look like, but I know from the get-go that this idea will be good and, and to get people to follow me, I just believe in it so much that they just kind of follow in the, in, 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 in the process. So um, 
in, to answer your question is that you have to believe in it first, you, yeah. before you can get a team to follow your vision. Because it's very if, interesting yeah. that you say this because the person behind you, Biggest Smalls, it was all a dream. And like, you know, in that song, he talks about all his teachers not, you know, like saying he's going to be anything. It's almost becoming what I like to call a delusional optimist where what you're thinking and what you're envisioning is actually not real. But if you put the energy out there and your enthusiasm, um, your relentlessness, it that's how we lead. We lead from the front, but we also lead from behind. And, um, and you, I feel like you do both. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, life is short. <laughs> life is short, you know? Mm. So if you have an idea, you know, surround yourself with the right people and try to make it real as soon as possible, you know, whether or not, like I said before, you know, I mean, getting that logo done. Okay, you had an idea. What, what does it look like? Get that something done. Make it real as soon as possible so you don't give yourself an excuse to back out, you know, because mm -hmm. people back out all the time. And also I've backed out before too. That's why I'm talking from experience. I have ideas for so many different things, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I backed out a lot. So many times I said to myself, you know what? If I have an idea for anything, I'm going to try to make it real as soon as possible. So that way I don't give myself an opportunity to back out. And then the idea, I did never come to life, you know? Yeah. And as soon as I do that, you know, I, um, I know, okay, cool. You know, if this didn't work out, all right. So I'm, I can kind of maneuver and move into the next step. Yeah. Wow. And every day you wake up, it's not this crazy, like, oh man, I believe in this project so much. My energy is so high. I'm going to do this. And what you just said about speed, speed is the, um, the, the medicine for that. Like everyone goes into their brain of like, you know, the longer you sit on a situation or problem, mm. and this is a life lesson for myself and everyone listening, the more you sit on a problem without doing it, the problem becomes bigger. And what's the solution to any, any type of problem that you have is massive action. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, and, um, and you learn, you learn from the process, you know, so many people have so many different ideas, you know, and they don't take actions because of just the fear, you know, and I think it's okay. Mm. It's normal, you know, um, but yeah, if you, if you can try to flip the script um, and trying to create some, you know, speed and, and trying to bring that idea into, you know, real life as soon as possible, then you can then see the next steps. Oh, cool. I actually did that. And now it's this. It's like it's natural progression as you go. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think like you can touch on this as well. Has, has it always been like that for you? Speed, speed, speed. Was that a habit that you had to create? Um, because someone with lots of, you know, you seem like a very visionary, right? With someone with lots of ideas, how do you navigate between like, okay, this idea didn't really work out. Like, how do you move on from that so quick onto the next thing? Like, do you get down on the ideas that don't work? Like your losses, like if someone's listening at home, like I hear what you're saying guys, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm recovering. I just got out of COVID. I lost my job. You know, I, everything that I wanted, I worked so hard for, I'm making ends meet to get through the week. I, it's so hard for me to dream right now or get inspired by anything because all I see is like, problems you know how, how did they get out of that mindset and develop that speed mentality of like oh it didn't work move on what's the next thing oh man <clears throat> like i i know i never know it took me time to really get to like this kind of mindset of this frame because back i don't know 
10 years ago or five years ago, whatever, you know, I had, you know, a lot of ideas that I wanted to do, but then sometimes I'll go back to my notes and these ideas, I never executed it. Never executed a list of them. I wanted to do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and I never executed any of those things. Why? Because I just kind of put it on, I put it on hold, you know, for so long and I forgot about it. I literally forgot about those ideas because, you know, nowadays you get distracted so fast, you know, and I've just learned along the way that if you have something that you want to do, obviously, you know, you need to think about it and if it's really something that you really want to do and stuff like that. But I feel like from my experience with the speed thing is that over the years, I, you know, when you, I had an idea or some inspiration about a particular project or a particular event, you know, um, a skateboarding thing that I wanted to do, like surfing concrete, for example, that I kind of built up um, during COVID. I, and the only reason that you can leave your house is to exercise. And I said to myself, mm. what can I do to bring people together and use the COVID model that mm. you can actually leave the house and exercise and be social distance? And then I remember last year, this year of time, last year, I came up with the idea of surfing concrete because yeah. I love skateboarding. Tell us about that. What is that? The surfing concrete is pretty much like a social skate where, you know, we meet. Um, in summer, you know, at the um, St Kilda Skate Park and then we'll skate from there along Port Melbourne and we just kind of, at the end of the skate, we'll hang out, you know, have a drink and just kind of like socialise and network, you know, because I know during COVID, um, people's mental health is going like this, really bad. Mm. And I know exercise and recreation is something that I'm really passionate about and skateboarding has done so much for me. And during lockdown, I wanted to do something that brings people together and I thought, why not use skateboarding? So I came up with this idea. Okay, surfing concrete. I launched um, the Instagram, and I, I, I spoke to one of my um, good mate um, and my partner now that we then we came up with the idea and we executed it real fast. And then bang, we just organized the first group skate and we did it in St Kilda. We skated around Port Melbourne, and then we hang out after we're during summer. So mm. this summer coming up, this summer coming up, we're going to reactivate that. But I feel like that just gives you an example of an idea that it was nothing, but I turned it into something by making it real, you know? So, mm. um, yeah. Einstein says within, you know, the world of fear and turmoil lies great opportunity. And you flip something that the world, um, especially Victorians, you know, being locked down for like eight months, a long time, people forget how to socialize social etiquette. I remember when I got back into the gym and I started selling memberships, people forgot how to communicate. I could see it. It was very, very strange because you've never been in a world where you forgot how to like communicate with other, other individuals. And for you to like flip it, it's on its head. It's like, okay, we can sit here and cry about things that are out of our control or we can connect people together and give them that social interaction as humans. There's no rule book for COVID and there's no rule book on how to like communicate with people after being locked down for eight months. So why not, put in a, an event on like you do and connect people. You know, I think that's freaking beautiful. And that comes, I feel like that definitely does come from the heart. Um, I love it. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I just kind of wanted to do something for the community and I use skateboarding as a tool. And I guess with my like event management background, I want to, I love skateboarding. I love bringing people together. I just use it as a tool. And we launched Surfing Concrete, me and my partner last year in, in summer. And, you know, we just, it was a very short time during summer and we built, you know, a small group of people, I think like 50 something people, members who signed up on our website 
So if you want to sign up for our next group skate um, in summer this year, you know, just check out www.surfingconcrete.com.au and you see what we're all about. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm going to go check it out. I'm excited yeah. now. You can teach me how to skate too, right? <laughs> I will, mate. I will. If, if you don't have a skateboard, we have boards for you as well. So it's, it's all good, all covered. Yeah, beautiful. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to reach the end of the interview with um, rapid fire questions. So what I want to get from you, Ho, is one word or one short sentence that comes to your mind. The first thing that comes to your mind when I um, ask you this question, okay? Yeah. All right. One lesson you feel that helped you most throughout your career? Um, so maybe someone gave you this lesson or maybe a lesson oh, that you've given yourself after like a battle that you lost or whatever. Oh, this, is a, this, is a, this, is a, this is a tough one, but I feel like the first thing that could come to my head, um, it could go back to the, the, the movie, you know, like the skateboarding film, you know, Deck Dogs, you know. I, I feel like when I did that, when I um, said yes to that particular opportunity, um, a lot of things has changed for me, you know. So I feel like that lesson in terms of like the, the fear and not knowing the unknown of how the film industry going to pan out for me, I still said yes and I gave it a go. So for me, is that it's important if you're feeling scared and you don't know that this particular project or idea might take you to a place that you don't want to know, just do it anyway because you mm. never know. So I feel like with that, because I was really scared with Deck Dogs and I said yes and I felt like, you know, afterwards I was really, um, I guess, grateful that I did it because it, it helped me a lot along the way. Beautiful. Awesome. Um, number two, if you can create a law that everybody should follow, what would that be? Like giving back. Giving you know, back. Like is, if you're successful in a business or um, in any venture that you do, there's a law that you should uh, within, you should put it out there within the community that you should give back. Mm. You know, somehow, some way it back into the community. Mm. So, so I think that's really important because opportunities like for a lot of people out there that don't, don't have, you know, like it's hard. It's hard. So if you're successful and you're able to give back, then I think, you know, we'll create a better place um, in, on this planet Earth. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I love that. Number three, what is something that you know to be true that many people disagree with you on? Like you have a belief that you have, but lots of people are like, no, nah, it doesn't work like that. Man, you know, a lot of people disagree with a lot of other people, you know, and I feel like, you know, it's a gamble. Everything that we do is a gamble. You know, so I feel like when I have an idea and people disagree with me, whether or not that, you know, you um, you wanted to try this or try that or have this idea about this business or have this particular event that you want to run, people say, oh, no, nah, it's not going to work. You know, you just feel like, you know what, it is a gamble what I'm doing. Mm. You know, it is a gamble what I'm doing. Mm. But I don't know if it's going to work out unless I do it, you know. So I think it's, it's so important to just do it because your anxiety after doing it, you can feel so much better that actually did it and you know that you didn't like it or you liked it or loved it and then you can move on to the next thing mm -hmm. so you can carry on with your life. So yeah, people don't, majority of the time when I tell a lot of people about my project, they might disagree with it, but I'm like, 
yeah, that's okay. I know what I'm doing is a gamble, but hey, life is a gamble, man. So you got to actually, the unknown is scary, but I like it. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Uh, For what is the biggest lesson you've learned in the last 12 months? Man, during COVID, (laughs) a lot, a lot. That's like... One biggest lesson. (laughs) Connection. 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 And I feel like... Not not with food, right? (laughs) No, with people. People. You know, with people. And I feel like connection is something that is so important, especially during lockdown. I just feel like people need to be connected. Um, And if I can help to provide a platform for that connections, to create those connections through whether it's surfing concrete, whether through an event that I'm running, then um, we we can create, you know, um, I guess a beautiful society, if you want to call it, where people can connect, relate. Um, Because COVID, you know, as you know, Patrick, like mental health within society locking down in Melbourne, especially in Victoria, it's gone like off the roof and created a lot of anxieties. And for a lot of people, and I feel like connection is something that we all need, all of us, Mm -hmm. no matter how successful you are, how much, you know, things you've done in your life, but you lack the connection and those relationships, then you're not going to be happy. I think, yeah, to touch on that, one thing that really um, we get to really realize when you take things away what do you have left? So more than anything, just like, okay, economy's gone to crap, but who are the people around you? Like, who are you connecting with? Cause you'll have them forever. They can't take that away from you. And it's one phone call really. Okay. Uh, last one. Who are your sources for inspiration as someone who inspires others? Where um, do you go for inspiration or who do you go for inspiration? So I, um, I mean, there's so many people out there that I look up to and I, you know, read up on and articles or YouTube videos. There's so many of that out there right now. And I guess, um, yeah, at the moment, I, I mean, I used to do a lot of readings around, you know, I mean, Robert Kiyosaki is something that I read when I was like younger back then. I still follow him a lot. It's really inspirational, I think, you know. This was the uh, very first conversation me and you ever had. I remember we went to, we're like a family gathering and we we're talking about this book. <laughs> yeah, and I think, yeah. I, you know, like, you know, everyone, a lot of people know, you know, Robert Kiyosaki. And I think, you know, I read a lot of his books and I think um, the stories that he, you know, he, you know, he shares within, you know, the community. And I think it's really inspirational. And I feel like I sometimes go to him for a lot of content. Um, and I think, you know, your thoughts is so important and I feel like you need to kind of feel, put amazing positive things in your mind so that way, um, you know, you think positively. Otherwise, you know, life is challenging. Life is tough. So you've got to try to fill yourself with good information. Mm. And I, yeah, Robert, Robert Kiyosaki is definitely one of the guys that I go to. Wow. Thank you so much for that, for playing rapid fire questions with me and the, uh, the rest of the Think Inspire audience that we're creating. Um, I know, you know, before we started this interview, we were talking about, you know, definitely coming back. Um, we touched on so much. We're actually only going to go for, you know, 30 minutes. We're like at 50 minutes now, but that just happens naturally. Every time I connect with you, I, I could talk forever. And um, one of the biggest things I got out of it, and I hope my audience got, gets out of it too, is just enjoying the process. And I like the last, you know, 45 minutes for me with you were like 
wow, you drop some gems and sometimes just speaking it out there allows us to reaffirm what we know and who we are. Um, and ex- from everything that you said, man, like very inspirational. Um, I know when, that's, when I get you back for the second one, I know there's so much more that you can share about your personal life because I know it always wasn't that easy or you make it seem so easy but with what you're saying. Um, but I know like deep down, there's like some battles that you went through as well. Oh uh, yeah, hundred percent. And I, um, that's, that's another chat that we can discuss on another, on another um, episode. If you want to, if you want to do it and definitely, yeah, like nothing is easy, you know? And, 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 you know, I, I yeah, there's, there's a lot of challenges that I kind of like have to kind of go through to be able to kind of build something, a basic foundation just for mm. opportunities, you know, because opportunities, Sometimes you've got to create it yourself and sometimes you've got to surround yourself with the right people to be able to help you. So um, those challenges, yeah, we, we can talk about that like yeah. deep in, on, on another episode. Beautiful. Hey, Ho, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast of Think Inspire. Um, I can't wait to speak to you again, man. Patrick, thank you so much for doing this and I'm so happy to be here. And um, you are one of my inspiration as well, mate. What you're doing with Think Inspire and everything with your personal training and, you know, your enthusiasm and your passion, you know, it's also wrapped up on, on me a lot. And I want to say thank you for that. And thank you for inter- um, inviting me on this um, podcast and having me as your first guest. And I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity to share some of these um, experiences. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Patrick. Chat to you soon, mate.